Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods Network, a division of Glades Media. I'm your host, Ken Keller, and I am thrilled to bring Before the Crowds to the Boss Pods Network. Uh, I am a longtime radio personality um, broadcaster, I guess let's put it that way. Been in radio for about 25 years in both Ohio and here in South Florida, and Love doing play-by-play broadcasting. That's what got me into radio in the first place and has uh, become a, a, a nice career for myself. Originally, like most, when I wanted to get into play-by-play, I had dreams of, uh, I grew up in, in Northeast Ohio, so I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan. I wanted to be the play-by-play voice for the Cleveland Browns or the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, the Cavaliers, the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's how it started out. But, you know, sometimes and a lot of times God leads you in different directions. And for me, he led me into small market, small town, high school sports. And it's been an extremely rewarding project for me over the past uh, 20 to nearly 25 years of getting to do this. And what I have found out in, in doing this podcast is there's a lot of guys like me, a lot of guys that love play by play, that's all they want to talk about. They want to get better at it. They dissect themselves uh, each and every broadcast. They talk with other broadcasters on how they can get better, bounce ideas off of each other. There's a lot of us all around this country. And my thought was to talk to different broadcasters a lot like myself. But I wanted something to talk about other than play-by-play broadcasting. And what we came up with is a lot of us have broadcast games of great athletes that went on to do big things, whether they played major college sports or they became professionals. And we got to see them first. Imagine seeing Garth Brooks in the mid-80s playing you know, local bars uh, in Oklahoma with like 25 people in them, but you got to see him you know, sing rodeo before anybody else. Or if you're a rock fan, you saw Pearl Jam in, in 1990 play a dive bar in, in uh, Seattle. Uh, you, you, know, you got to see history before it was history. And I think that's something that's pretty cool. And a lot of us have been able to do that. And we all have stories about these athletes that we cover. So that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about play-by-play broadcasting. Some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that we do that maybe people don't realize. If you're a sports fan, I think this will interest you. How does a radio broadcast, a television broadcast, a stream, how does it go off seamlessly and how do we do our jobs where, you know, there's a lot going on and, and the listener doesn't notice it? What are some things that, you know, that pops up that, uh, you know, is a challenge for us? You're going to hear all about that uh, throughout these episodes, but you're also going to hear a lot of great stories about a lot of famous athletes, including our first episode. I think you all know Patrick Mahomes, right? Well, Patrick Mahomes uh, played his high school football in East Texas and was uh, then went on to a Texas Tech University and, of course, 
well on his way to the NFL Hall of Fame, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time MVP, and already in such a short time has uh, put his name up there amongst the best ever. Well, he played high school football, and I had a chance to talk with the guy that did his high school play-by-play broadcast. His name was Brian Houston, and he's been a longtime veteran of East Texas radio and television and even more. He got to call Patrick Holmes' junior and senior seasons in high school, and uh, I had the chance to talk to him. You're going to hear some stories. So here it is without further ado, Brian Houston talking about Patrick Mahomes right here on Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. White House leads 17-0. Mahomes drops back, throws, deep ball, Cantrell comes back to catch it, and he catches it at the 30. Two men have to fight to bring him down, and it's going to be a huge gain to the 24-yard line. That is a 45-yard pass and catch. Mahomes to Cantrell. Second down and seven, and again, another quarterback. Well, he didn't draw. He pulled up and threw it, and he threw a strike to Coleman Patterson, complete at the 24-yard line for a gain of 13 yards on the play. Mahomes stepped up on the pocket. I thought he was going to take off and run, and then he threw the pass complete to Coleman Patterson. Well, you recognize the quarterback that was named in those clips. The man behind the microphone was Brian Houston, and he's my guest here tonight on uh, on Before the Crowds podcast. Brian has uh, been broadcasting games in, in East Texas for over 40 years in both TV and radio. KYTX uh, 19 TV, KRTV, KETK TV, and more. Brian, uh, you know, reading your resume, you've been doing this a long time. Thank you for joining me. Glad to do it, Ken. Always a pleasure. So let's normally when I do this uh, podcast, I, I jump into you know I talk about the the broadcaster and how he got into broadcasting, and we'll do all that. But when okay. I when I began this podcast, you are exactly the type of person that I envisioned having on this podcast because you did full seasons uh, of somebody that made it big and that we all know and you got to see him beforehand and uh, of course uh, in Patrick Mahomes who we just heard some of your clips there uh, beforehand so I I just want to get right into Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to ask the most obvious question to start out what was it like calling his games did you know that he could do what he's doing now when you saw him as a 16, 17, 18 year old Watching what he does now, he was doing the exact same things he when he was in high school. It, it was unbelievable. Um, when he first came on the scene, he, as a sophomore, was just spot duty playing defensive back. And then when he became a junior, he split time for the first three games with another guy that he played baseball with. And the coach couldn't make up his mind about who was, you know, really the better player. But when they got into the ball games, it was very obvious in the first three ball games. They both would alternate quarters. Uh, but when Patrick played, it was just, you know, things happened that just didn't happen with the other kid. The other kid was a really good baseball player, and he ended up being a receiver. But Patrick was just um, – I, I don't know when the lights came on, 
uh, and, the, and his ability to improvise in addition to just running the offense, uh, it was just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> when you watched him play and you're calling his games on the radio, you know what was going through your head, like in like on the drive home from a from a game? Because to me, that's when I'm like looking back at the game, what I just saw, this and that. So what was, what was going through your head, like on on your drive home from a broadcast, and you said, "Wow, I just saw that." Well, every week it was like, I can't believe I saw him do this. I can't believe I saw him do that. Uh, there was a couple of weeks there in his junior year where he closed out in consecutive ball games. He closed out the half throwing a Hail Mary for a touchdown in two consecutive ball games, two consecutive weeks. Stuff like that that just doesn't happen. Um, you know, the, the fact that the no-look pass, the running around and throwing stuff, you know, off schedule, off of the back foot, all the things they teach you not to do as a quarterback, um, you know, <laughs> he's out there doing it all and, it, and he's making it work. Uh, and just constantly making plays, and, and defenses are just frustrated because they're doing all the things they've got to do to keep him contained, and he is just lighting them up. <laughs> how uh, how how much personal contact did you get with him? Did you ever get to talk to him? What kind of a kid was he? I've, I only got to talk to him a few times. He was a great kid. Uh, he was a terrific student. He was a three-sport star. He was terrific in football, basketball, and baseball. Um, good grades. Uh, he just was really, I mean, he's the All-American kid. You never saw him act up on the field. He was never one of these me-me guys. Uh, he was not, uh, you know, a cocky guy. I mean, uh, he played with swagger, and he had incredible confidence. And the way he played, everybody on the field knew as long as he was in the ball game, they had a chance to win. But as far as being, you know, um, acting like a big man on campus or anything like that, he just didn't do it. Um, and he was just a really, really good kid uh, on the field. And the opponents respected him and seemed to like him because he just never showed you up. He never pointed. He never talked trash. Or at least if he did, uh, he certainly didn't do it in football. And um, it was just a—he was just a pleasure to watch. And and he's still really well thought of. He still—he uh, hasn't been to town in quite a while. When he comes to Texas now, he usually works out with a trainer that he worked out with who was based in Tyler, who now has moved his whole operation basically to Kansas City. But uh, he has a, a, a place in Dallas where when Patrick would come back home, he would usually work out in the Dallas area. Talking with Brian Houston, an over 40-year broadcast veteran in the East Texas area. Tyler, Texas, is that correct? Do I have that that right? Yes. Okay, and Tyler, Texas uh, called uh, two years of Patrick Mahomes' games in high school. And, um, you know, one of the clips that we played, you know, leading into this interview, uh, Brian, is, is one of your calls. And it just reminded me of something that I think we see from, from Mahomes every Sunday. And it looks like he's going to run and then stops at the last minute and then just fires it across. <laughs> the field uh, to a, a wide open receiver and then hits him in stride and, and things that you would never ever ever coach a kid to do but he would do it and, and does it with regularity it's incredible that he's been able to keep that same kind of swagger as I'll, I'll use that as a lack for a better term in high school and keep it through what he does now he, he's, he's not changed his game in fact uh, it's just been amplified well, what you mentioned is really key because his offensive coordinator, his junior year, became the head coach his senior year, Adam Cook. And 
you know, the, the things that they normally will coach kids to do, they try to coach some things out of a kid. You didn't do that with Patrick. And you just let him play because he was going to make the play. And so after just a few ball games, you realize, listen, don't don't coach him like a conventional quarterback. You know, don't try to get him to do things or take away things from his game that he's so good at. And then he got the really good fortune of being recruited by Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. And Adam told Cliff the same thing. Don't try to change this kid coach him to do what he does well uh, and he did and he put up ridiculous numbers behind a terrible offensive line and a terrible defensive team at Texas Tech but he was he was great uh, and then he gets to Andy Reid and Andy Reid basically learned the same thing I'm not taking away what this kid can do so you know tell me the number tell me Bill Belichick would let him do a no look pass <laughs> that's not happening never you right. know it's just not happening uh, or throwing off the back foot on a regular basis or running around like crazy, you know. And, and and you know, there would be coaches that would be trying to, you know, coach that out of them or, hey, we've got to work on your footwork or stuff like that. Well, you know, he needed some work on his footwork coming out of high school, but there came a point where you, you had to be careful that you didn't take away what he does best by trying to, you know, put him in that box. And he's just been very fortunate that he's had coaches all along the way who realize this guy is just different. And you can't coach him like your your standard quarterback, your Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type of, you know, perfectly fundamental quarterback. Let's stop right there. More with Brian Houston talking about Patrick Mahomes and what he was like in high school playing football after this. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. You know, it's it, it's really what makes a, a coach great and and a program great. And not that you know Texas Tech was great when he was there, but uh, Andy Reid's a, a Hall of Fame coach or will be, and uh, you know a, a, a Hall of Fame organization with with Kansas City. The fact that they didn't try to change him, that they worked around his skill set, that they recognized that it's like you said, even even the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick probably wouldn't have done that. It'd be interesting to see where, how he would have done if if Mahomes would have played for any other coach, you know, because I can't think of that many that would have uh, embraced his style. Maybe Bruce Arians, but but other than that, I, I don't know. 
you know, maybe some of these younger guys, uh, you, you Sean McVay's and people like that, yeah. you know, uh, the, the Packers coach, the, these younger guys might be more open to it. The older guys, I think, would have a hard time with it. But but eventually, I think you'd have to let it go and just say, hey, you know, it's like, no, 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 yes, you know, <laughs> where, where you're just shaking your head, telling them, don't do that. And then they, it's touchdown and he comes back to the sidelines and all you can do is pat him on the helmet. Uh, I think eventually, you know, some even if a coach was inclined to try to change him, you just can't argue with the results. The, the one thing I find really interesting right now is that the league is kind of adjusting to him and trying to play, you know, drop more people in coverage and make him be more patient. And he even admitted early in the year he'd gotten off to kind of a shaky start and was having some struggles because he liked going for he liked going for the home run. Uh, but that's not his whole game. Uh, like high, most high school guys, you look at a five-star in high school and you look at their huddle tape, and all you ever see is a guy launching at 70 yards, you know, just throwing it about as far as he can throw it and, you know, somebody being open to catch it on the other end. You didn't see, you know, great intermediate passes over the middle or, you know, those kinds of things. Well, Patrick could do all of that stuff. You know, so it wasn't just about throwing, you know, launching bombs and, and trying to hit home runs all the time. But he he will admit he likes to he likes to strike quickly, and he doesn't mind going deep because he's got that arm to do it. But the way they play him now, he's got to be a lot more patient, throw a lot more, you know, check it down, throw it a lot more underneath, things like that. So if anything has changed him at all, it's just been the way the defenses have uh, played him. How much of Patrick's development do you think was due to the fact that his dad was a major league baseball player and you know he grew up with that professional mindset and, and had an idea of what it took to get to the next level? I think it was huge. Um, you know he, he grew up in dugouts. I mean, you know, everywhere you go, you look at pictures of Patrick when he was a little kid. He was out there, you know, playing pepper and throwing the ball around with major leaguers his whole life. So, you know, first thing, he's not intimidated by people with incredible talent. So, and then you get him on the field when he's in high school, and he's the guy with all the talent, and there's nobody near him uh, in that kind of talent level. Uh, so, you know, the, he, he'd already been exposed to the best of the best and how they behave, how they work, those kinds of things. Uh, I think his dad would have, you know, if he was going to be honest about it, probably would have at the time uh, everybody thought he was going to go baseball which is one of the reasons he was not highly recruited in uh, high school as a football player because everybody was afraid to sign him and then see him you know, immediately get drafted by the major leagues and just blow off college altogether. So he didn't get a lot of offers. Um, Cliff was one of the few. And uh, I just thought, you know, well, you know, maybe he will go baseball. But, but when I watched him play baseball, uh, he was a terrific athlete. He was a really good shortstop. He pitched, but honestly, he was not the best pitcher on his staff. The kid who had alternated with him at quarterback his junior year was the best pitcher on the team. Patrick could throw it really, really hard, but if it wasn't over the plate if he um you know if he, if he didn't have any control he, he didn't have much else to go to and it wasn't a lot of movement on the ball so really honestly he he probably would not have been a pitcher 
in the major leagues if he had played baseball. He would have probably played shortstop or something like that. But he was so good at football, and he had such an incredible uh, junior year and then came back and, and did even better his senior year uh, that you know there was just no denying the guy was – he was something special. I mean, he was he was one of a kind as a quarterback. And, you know, the difference between going and playing college football and then maybe going straight to the NFL as opposed to, you know, who knows how many years you got to spend in minor leagues and, and things like that. Um, you know, it may have been, you know, that he thought, hey, I see a faster track to doing what I want to do. And like I said, he just – he definitely went his own way, you know, and his and, – his parents seemed to be cool with that and were because when he first went to tech he played both sports but then as it was pretty evident that he was special in college football then he shifted his focus and and quit playing baseball and focused on being a quarterback and he was phenomenal how far did those high school teams go in in the in the texas state playoffs not far um they usually there was two deep the first year three deep the second year the problem they had with when he was there was that their defenses were not real great the game that he lost to get knocked out of the playoff his senior year they lost 61 to 59 so uh, it was always a track meet Uh, defenses gave up a lot of points uh and their offenses could score like crazy um but in that particular ball game, it was just they, they gave up a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. He was playing with a little bit of a, a hurt foot, so he wasn't completely sharp. Um, still made some great plays and had a phenomenal game, but they just couldn't stop the other team. And that was kind of the story of his career. They were undefeated in the regular season. He was 9-1 and one his junior year in the, in the regular season and lost the district championship to John Tyler on the final game of the season in the regular season. The following year, they went 10-0 and 0 and won the district championship beating John Tyler. But uh, they just couldn't go very deep because they just didn't have the defense. You know, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes' is, is path, and, and I think he's had a different path to, to start him. You know, after five years, I, you know, it's it's hard to put a guy in the Hall of Fame after five years, but he's certainly on his way with the with the resume oh, yeah. that he's he's put down. But you mentioned he wasn't highly recruited, whether you know for whatever reason he wasn't highly recruited. Uh, he wasn't the number one overall draft pick as a quarterback. You know, those those guys uh, are you know ten. He wasn't even the first quarterback taken in his class uh you know Andy Reid had the wherewithal to you know the vision to trade up 10 spaces to go get him but um you know it's not like he was a can't miss product in the eyes of many you know in the NFL draft and and then he then he goes you know to the NFL and he's doing what he's doing as you see him go through this process are you like screaming at your tv and the radio saying Take this guy. He's a star. You, you, I mean, are you? Was that going through your head when oh. you watching watching this progress? Especially when you see guys like Mitch Trubisky getting drafted ahead of him, and that was just ridiculous. You know, um, the thing that I, I the, my favorite story is I remember I had a friend. Uh, we were at a playoff game. Patrick was playing in his senior year. He'd already committed to Tech. And they were playing in Dallas against a team. And I had a friend who works up in Lubbock at the sports talk station there. And so they were very tied to Texas Tech. At the time, Davis Webb was the quarterback at Tech. 
And so um, the guy is a good friend of mine, came into the press box before the game, and he's asking me about Patrick. And he says, so uh, what do you think? Is this guy really the – does he have the goods? Is he a real deal or is it just a lot of hype? And I, and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. The day he sets foot on campus – at Texas Tech and Lubbock, he's going to automatically be the best quarterback on campus. I don't care who's playing there right now. I don't care who's starting. He's going to walk on that field, and he's going to be the best quarterback in camp. Oh, there's no way. Davis Webb's awesome. I said, trust me, hide and watch. And it wasn't but about three or four games in that he was already starting as a freshman. Uh, I think it may have been because of the injury, but once he took the job, he, he never gave it up, and Davis Webb ended up, you know, transferring. So um, that's one of the few times in my life I could ever say I was right. <laughs> but but it was, you know, I mean, it was you couldn't. There was no way you could watch this kid for two solid years. Um, one of the programs here in East Texas, who's uh, they they've won eight state championships in the last. 10 or 11 years is Carthage High School and they played a a home game against White House and that year they went on to win the state championship and they had a college uh, candidate at quarterback as well but and they went through the whole season lost only one ball game and it was to White House because Mahomes went nuts that night and was running all over the place and they couldn't do anything with him and that's the only quarterback I've ever seen do that to this high school at Carthage and after the game and even all these years later <laughs> we talk about it and the coach there who is just he's maybe the greatest coach that's ever coached in east texas uh, says well that night we got mahomes that's all there was to it he says we couldn't stop the guy and, and again this is a guy that's got eight state championships in his you know in the trophy case so um, he was that kind of quarterback he was just special yeah you just tipped and one of a kind I, I will say this too. I'm sorry, Ken. No, that's all right. Um, East Texas, East Texas has produced some really, really good football players over the years. Uh, there are a number of them in the NFL right now. Uh, Greg Ward's a wide receiver at uh, Philadelphia with the Eagles. He played quarterback for John Tyler when they faced Patrick Mahomes that junior year and beat Mahomes. Uh, Tyus Bowser, who plays uh, defense for the Ravens was on him like a cheap suit that night. That's the game I, you know, oddly enough, the game I remember most out of the entire two years uh, of covering Patrick was the night they lost to John Tyler because they jumped out to a huge lead. Uh, and then the defense did what it does. They gave up a lot of points. And John Tyler was extremely talented. And Tyus Bowser was a Division One prospect playing on the defensive line. And he was all over Patrick all night long. And I mean, he was he was delivering knockout blows. And Mahomes would just keep getting up and keep firing. And it was, it was just something to watch him in that level of adversity and just taking a beating and just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And finally, just time ran out really is what it boiled down to. But that game showed you the kind of toughness and the character. You know, it showed that he was not just a front runner. This guy was going to battle, and he was extremely competitive. And that's when you knew, boy, this guy is – he's – you know, talent is one thing. It's it's real easy to go out there and throw the you throw up those big numbers when maybe everybody's not quite as good as you are. 
Um, but man, you know, the, John Tyler could could match him player for player. Who actually, had better talent overall, and uh, but they couldn't stop him. They they outscored him. Well, there you have it. Patrick Mahomes, before he was the Patrick Mahomes that we know and see on TV today, as told by Brian Houston, I appreciate all of his time. There was a lot more to that interview. We, we talked for well over an hour about Patrick Mahomes, about other guys that he broadcasts, about broadcasting in general. I will try and have more clips of this interview that we didn't post on this podcast on our Before the Crowds uh, podcast Facebook page and Twitter account. I invite you to follow those and check those out. We may have more Brian Houston, you know, in future episodes, but there's a lot to get to. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of minor league baseball broadcasters. I talked to other high school broadcasters from all around the country that saw, uh, you know, basketball and football and baseball players before they made it big. Uh, I talked to one broadcaster that was featured on the on the uh, the Netflix series Last Chance You. We've got that coming up at some point. Another broadcaster that covered Lamar Jackson when he was playing high school football at Boynton Beach. There's a lot, and there's some interesting stories, and I hope that you uh, that you stick with us and uh, keep listening to Before the Crowds. Until then, I'm Ken Keller. Have a great day. This has been Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.